Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Interpretation, Hello, welcome to episode 14 of the One British Man English podcast. I'm your host, Lee. This week, I got an email and it said, Congratulations, Lee, you've had 4,000 podcast downloads. I thought, wow, that's quite a lot. Not really in the grand scheme of things, but I felt quite proud of myself that I'd reached all corners of the globe and helped people to improve their English language skills, only to be squashed by a man called Cristiano Ronaldo. And I read an article, it said, Cristiano Ronaldo becomes the first person to reach 400 million Instagram followers. How many of those followers are your real friends, though? I thought I'd make myself feel better by sending this message. Cristiano, if you're out there, I'm here for English lessons whenever you need me. Now, most of my podcast episodes are pretty lighthearted. I talk about dogs and cats and travelling and beaches and nice stuff like that. But it is important to sometimes engage with the more serious topics going on around the world. Most of us right now are tuned into the terrible situation going on in Russia and Ukraine, which is likely to affect many, many other countries too. So I wanted to take a moment to address the situation from a perspective that's important to me and to everyone else reading and informing themselves about what's going on over there. In part two of the episode, we will break down the English language that I've used. Today was a scripted episode because it's such a sensitive and fragile topic that I wanted to be very, very careful with the language that I used. So without further ado, let's get into it. Before we start this episode properly... Here's a quick disclaimer and something you should also keep in mind when receiving news on the Russia and Ukraine conflict. I did not grow up in the Soviet Union and I have not been subjected to any personal experiences or education related to that history, the problems that come with it, the politics and the current state of affairs. That is why I can't and I do not have the right to make a defined judgment on what's happening, simply based on information provided by UK media sources which have their own agenda, of course. It would be irresponsible of me. Instead, today I've chosen to focus the episode on two things that I can talk about. One is the importance of critical thinking and the necessity to love thy neighbour in these worrying times. First, let's discuss the BBC News. BBC is global. When you grow up in the UK, it becomes habitual. Turning on the morning news or opening the BBC News app is like second nature for most people. It's like putting the kettle on for a morning brew. Somehow the BBC has become so deeply ingrained in our culture due to its control over the entertainment market through news and film and TV and radio. And the BBC feels like a big brother in some way. We know him well. It provides comfort and honesty. Oh, hang on a minute. Big brothers do lie sometimes. When a company builds this level of trust, it's really difficult to look at its actions objectively. They wouldn't lie to me or manipulate me or or push any political agenda, would they? Unfortunately, yes, they would. And it's common knowledge that the BBC snuggles up close to our government and pushes politically charged headlines down the throats of people who willingly gobble it up and swallow it down and then rub their tummies satisfied with their daily fill. There have been many complex and controversial discussions over the past years, from vaccines to human rights, gender equality to racism. 
and now it's Russia and Ukraine's turn to take centre stage. But it really doesn't take much to see through the fear tactics, the propaganda and the underlying political narrative that is also created alongside factual events. Now, of course, I'm not saying that the news is fake. After all, such sources do employ some of the most professional and talented journalists from around the world so that we're able to gain insights and information. But the choice of wording and the shock value has been carefully placed to grab your attention, make an impression, and ultimately gain your support. So be careful and just recognize this before judging a nation, its people, and their intentions on a single news article that you've read. Your emotional state is fragile and deserves more attention than that. If you're feeling anger or hate towards people from another nation after reading one headline, you have to look more objectively. Even as a critic of something like the BBC, I woke up this morning and typed those three letters, BBC, without even realising actually. A student described it as the news equivalent of TikTok, and I think that was a pretty accurate description. The main headline read, Russia has launched, quote, a full-scale invasion. Of course, the font was twice as big as usual and it had a flashing red button next to it. If you could implement fear, warning and danger into someone, what signal would you use? I would use a big red flashing button, to be honest. Just remember, none of this is to discredit or play down the seriousness of what's happening. There is danger involved, of course there is, and it deserves to be highlighted. But there is also more information to gather before you settle on a judgment. Again, it's a call for you to look at things from many angles and use it to make a more informed opinion. A serious situations such as this deserves the extra care and attention. The words full scale created images of nuclear missiles destroying Ukraine in its entirety, continuous bombing of cities in all regions and total destruction, which is a possibility and may end up being factual. But this morning, at that point in time, it was not true. Therefore, it was dangerous to use such language before those events had actually happened. What is the reason for it? To increase fear in people? For political gain? To prevent you from making your own opinion? Yes, all of these things are involved. If I were to sell you meat labelled as 100% organic beef, when it's actually 72% non-organic beef, I'd be in a lot of trouble for false advertising. So what do you do with a headline like this? You don't have to ignore it. It is still a useful source of information, but it's one of many sources. For starters, you must read the whole article. A recent study showed that 6 out of 10 Americans only read the headlines on stories related to science and politics. 6 out of 10. That's the majority. At the very least, keep scrolling. I know you can. I've seen you on Instagram. Your thumbs work perfectly well. But it seems it's not the thumbs we need to worry about. It's our mind that needs training. Next, you have to find other sources. I know your days are busy, but if you're intent on having an opinion and sharing it with other people, you must spend more time on gathering information. The BBC can, of course, be one of those sources. I found myself in quite a fortunate position in that I have quite a few students from Russia and the Ukraine, and that allows me to get some insight to what's going on ground level. After reading the headline this morning, I actually spoke to a Russian friend and student 
about the current situation and how it's affecting people locally. He had also read the BBC headline and was also quite saddened by the use of words. While he too was very concerned about the situation and how it had escalated, he knew that these words were not completely accurate and would only fuel the negative perceptions that exist in the eyes of the Western world. When you have the chance to discuss such events on a more personal level, you're quickly reminded that these are real people with real feelings behind these news stories. It's very easy to disconnect when you're reading words on a page and we're guilty of ignoring just how complex a situation really is. There are a multitude of beliefs, opinions, family situations and experiences involved. From the outside, we need to accept that we know very little and applying critical thinking is our only hope of gaining worthy knowledge when we take in second-hand information. The problem is we're getting lazier and lazier and journalism knows this. It knows that headlines, short video edits and simple marketing strategies are all it takes to sway opinions and gain support. And we're all guilty of it. And we all need to be reminded of our potential intelligence and how to use it effectively. I want to leave you with one message. Don't judge a nation by a news story. Knowing so many wonderful Russian and Ukrainian people, it saddens me that people will judge so many based on the actions of so few. Please recognise that a government's actions does not emulate the citizens' beliefs or wishes and empathise with everybody involved. This is not the time to take sides against a particular nationality, but to think rationally by understanding that higher powers control how something like war unfolds. I found peace in accepting that I don't know everything and I can't control everything. I choose to focus more on my own actions and I'll continue to treat people from all nations with love, warmth and understanding. Between writing this script and publishing this episode, unfortunately, the situation seems to have worsened. And so I must end by sending my love and prayers to everyone affected. Please stay safe and promote peace and understanding wherever possible. Now it's time to head over to part two and we're going to analyse some of the language that I used in that monologue. There'll be new vocabulary, new expressions and some phrases that you haven't heard before. Hopefully you can start using it immediately in your everyday English conversation. So let's jump to it. The problems that come with it, the politics and the current state of affairs. The current state of affairs. The current state of affairs means the general situation or circumstances that are connected with something at a particular time. You often hear people talking about their current state of affairs in relation to their business. You hear it in politics. You hear it in society. I could create a sentence like, the current state of affairs cannot continue much longer. Something needs to change. When you grow up in the UK, it becomes habitual. Habitual. Habitual is an adjective and it means something that is done constantly or as a habit. You can also use a term like it is second nature. That would be another common expression. Instead of using the word habitual, sometimes you'll hear two words, by habit. Here's another example for you. Do you always remember to put the dishwasher on in the evening? Yes, it's habitual. It sounds a little bit formal. More commonly, I might say, yes, I do it by habit. It's like putting the kettle on for a morning brew. Ah, some British language. A brew 
is simply a cup of tea. You might hear someone say, oh, fancy a brew, stick the kettle on. And when you put a tea bag in a cup and you leave it, because you should leave it for at least a couple of minutes, that's called brewing. You are brewing the tea. There you go. They wouldn't lie to me or manipulate me or or push any political agenda, would they? To push an agenda. You hear this a lot, especially when you're talking about political agendas. So if someone wants to push an agenda, they are pushing an idea or a project in a particular direction with some intention, with some purpose, with a plan behind it. We can talk about this a lot in the media, where a media source or a political source might have a reason to persuade someone in a certain direction. That's pushing an agenda. It can be very, very powerful in manipulation and coercion. Your emotional state is fragile. Fragile. Fragile in a physical form is something that can easily be broken. When you send a glass product in the post, you write on the side of the box. Fragile. Basically, be careful. But you also have to be careful sometimes with your emotions and your mental state. So your emotions can be fragile. It means they are sensitive and can easily be changed depending on external situations out of your control. So if you are feeling strong and powerful one day, it doesn't take much to make you feel hurt and sad. That shows that your emotions are fragile. Just remember, none of this is to discredit or play down the seriousness of what's happening. Play down. This is a nice phrasal verb. If you play something down, you are representing it as less important than it actually is. Let's take this episode as an example. I've decided to focus on how to treat people, how to read media language and critical thinking, which focuses not on the events of what's actually happening, but on a different angle. That does not mean that I think the events are less serious or less important. I've just decided to focus on a particular area. So I am not playing down the situation and the seriousness of it. If I give you some more context, imagine a football team got heavily beaten, let's say 10-0. And there was an interview with the captain of the losing team afterwards. And they asked him, so what do you think about the defeat? I mean, this is a terrible day for the club. And he might play down the defeat. He might not talk about it too much. He might say, well, you know, these things happen in football. And that is him playing down the situation. While he too was very concerned about the situation and how it had escalated. Escalated. It comes from the noun escalation. And if something has been escalated, it means that it has become more intense or more serious. So obviously, This situation between Russia and Ukraine is going to escalate. We know that. It's going to spread. It's going to become more intense and, unfortunately, more serious. Sometimes it's used as an expression as well. If there's a fight between two people and they start pushing each other and then all of a sudden one picks up a chair and hits him over the head, we say, wow, that escalated quickly. And would only fuel the negative perceptions that exist in the eyes of the Western world. To fuel something. If you fuel a fire, you are adding wood to it or gas or whatever. And the fire gets stronger and bigger. And this is what it means. 
to fuel the fire, to make things worse. Often it has a negative connotation. So again, let's go back to a fight scenario. Um, two people arguing, a third person goes in. Let's go back to a fight scenario again. Two people are fighting and arguing and a third person comes in and says, oh, by the way, he also called you an idiot last week. That's fueling the fire. It's already started and you're making it more intense. Higher powers control how something like war unfolds. To unfold, if something unfolds physically, it's like having a, a piece of paper that's been folded up and you let it go and it unfolds itself. That makes sense. In this sense, we're talking about events unfolding. When an event unfolds, it is gradually revealed or gradually develops. So you see it a lot in news articles. We'll keep you up to date as the events unfold. And that's it for today. Sometimes it's important to touch on these serious issues as well. I really hope things start to improve sooner rather than later. I also hope that you've got some new English vocabulary that you can start using immediately. And I look forward to seeing you next time. If you need any English language services from me, head over to speaktolead.com. If you don't, it's been a pleasure and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.